Welcome to the Director Download, powered by Campus Rec Magazine. It's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. Host Grady Sheffield, the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University and the Senior Advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Tiffany Lomax, the Director of Campus Recreation and Wellness Promotion at North Carolina Central University. Lomax's start in the industry happened before she even knew it and continued because of her desire to study abroad in South Korea. Soon, she found herself in the world of campus recreation, specifically in marketing at George Washington University. However, during her time in Campus Rec, Lomax has found herself in a profession where often people see a black woman first before the rec professional part. She shares on facing microaggressions, like comments made in reference to her coming from an HBCU, to challenges like taking on a director role at a predominantly white institution in a predominantly white community in Maine. She gets real with some of the tough and painful conversations she's had with staff and leadership when it comes to equity, diversity, and inclusion talks that just didn't go well. Finally, Lomax speaks on belonging, the weight leaders carry, and how she knew she was ready to be a director. All right, hello everybody. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, today I am speaking with Tiffany Lomax and Tiffany and I have developed a relationship over the past almost a year, um, starting out with going to the Campus Rec uh, Leadership Summit last summer, which was awesome. You giving me a hard time throughout the summit, which I appreciate. Um, you know, a little pokes here and there. It's all right. It's all right. And then we, um, we joined together on the masterminds beta group and we've gotten to know each other and then that's continued into this semester with another group. So Tiffany, what's up? Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure those of those that will be listening that heard you say me taking pokes, they'll be like, yep, that's her. <laughs> He's getting yeah. the real thing. <laughs> Well, I probably deserve it. So um, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to bring you on today because I think that there are some things that have been happening um, in your career the last couple of years, really, that are having an impact on people across um, our profession. But I want them to learn a little bit more about you, um, kind of how you got here. So talk to me about your campus rec journey. Where did it start and where are you now? Yeah, um, I think that it actually started before I even knew. Um, I think growing up in the inner city, Washington, D.C., you, you go to the Boys and Girls Club, the summer camps, the, the playing activities outside just to have something to do um, is really recreation and what we were doing our entire lives and not until... I was a junior in college, letting go of, you know, my outside jobs because I wanted to study abroad in South Korea. And I had friends that were intramural referees and they were like, hey, come get a job with us. And I was like, mm, okay. I'm like, I've ref before, I know what this game is. But usually for me, it's summertime <laughs> refing in between our basketball seasons and, you know, out in the hot sun, blowing the swiss. I didn't love the idea, but I was like, you know what, let's try it. 
Yeah. Um, and very quickly, I was like, what? We get to play. We get to ref. I get to chill with my friends. Like, this is an amazing gig. And then I had another revelation that was, wow, this guy that we just call Kamish um, does this and is this full-time role. Like, he comes here at three. He hangs out with us. He goes home. And that is his work. I was like, how do I get involved in this? Like, this is awesome. Um, so quickly and strategically, I figured out a way um, to become the marketing graduate assistant at Delaware State. And I was like, I was always one of those people um, that, you know, didn't necessarily love school, but it, it came pretty easy. So I was like, okay, just do what they tell me to do and I'll be all right. And I was like, and as soon as I'm done, I'm done. I'm never going back. And I sit here now with a doctorate degree, like now I'm really never going back. <laughs> so um, I would say through that experience, just being at Dell State, getting my feet wet, nothing was pushed on me. I was kind of just exploring what existed. Um, I was able to matriculate through what they had, um, turn it into a graduate assistantship, go on to, um, George Washington University as the Assistant Director of Marketing and Engagement. And I think that position was unique. I know there weren't very many as I was searching. Um, I had heard the horror stories of the GAs before me, hearing comments like, well, how does your HBCU experience translate here to a Big Ten school or you know, whatever the school may have been at the time? And I was like, yikes, it's bad enough. They say that you know you put out a hundred applications, you might receive 20 responses. And I'm yep. like, that's not bad enough. I got to worry about the fact that my degree is from an HBCU. Like, what am I about to do? Um, <laughs> so it was, I mean, applying to jobs. And I was like, I guess I just got to apply to anything because I had experience on a lot of different levels. Um, but my GA ship was in marketing and that was what I really loved. My, my bachelor's degree was, is business with a concentration in marketing. Um, and there were about four actual marketing jobs that didn't combine fitness, didn't combine aquatics, you know, something like that, that I was like, Oh, this is going to be tough. Um, but I landed the job at George Washington and I think being in marketing or starting there or, you know, spending time there allowed me to get an overall view of what it is we do in Campus Rec. Um, and I think that when you work in intramurals, you just do intramurals and you don't get to see the, the scope of how it all comes together. Um, so I thought it was really beneficial for me to be in that role, to see all the wheels turning and how it worked as a machine. Um, and from there, I accepted a job back at Delaware State as the associate director um, of wellness, recreation, and campus events. And that just kind of broadened my level of um, leadership, I would say, just in my ability to oversee professional staff. We had about 10 GAs at the time. Um, really? our student staff, oh yeah. And our student staff um, was over a hundred. Um, we had two departments essentially within student affairs. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a grind. So, well, the nice, the nice part about being at an HBCU or a smaller school with smaller program, um, you have to wear so many hats, 
So you get experience on so many levels. Um, and we rely heavily on our GA uh, positions there at Dell State just because we don't have the professional staff, mm-hmm. um, which gives them great experience when it's time to move on. I, I think it's I think it's interesting and cool that you just said we we have to. <laughs> I just I, that's I get it right. Like yes. we're forever a part of who we were and yes. are. Right. Yes. So, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. No. So go to Dell State. Um, Colby College found me in the midst of a pandemic. Um, And so you started right before the pandemic or? I started in the middle. So before we even, I guess, knew what was going on, um, started conversations in late spring, summer. Yep. So we started conversations, I want to say early May. Okay. All right. Yeah. Early May. So it was like, hey, here's this opportunity. And for me, I'm like, well, we have no idea what the next year is going to look like. Like what? And you were at, you're at Delaware State, right? I was at Delaware Delaware State. State. Okay. I was at Delaware State and it was still up in the air. You know, they sent us home for two weeks. It was like, go home for two weeks and we'll assess. And it was like, Figure it out. Right, that's been extended. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, yes, exactly right. So it was like, oh man, what is this? I happened to be doing, completing my doctorate, my dissertation. And I was, the focus of my dissertation was on the lack of African-Americans in leadership positions at predominantly white institutions. And what those barriers were to to getting there. So it was ironic that this opportunity kind of fell in my lap. And I was like, Tiffany, can you say no? Can you not explore this opportunity? Because I just got an email one day and was like, you ever thought about living in Maine? I was like, no, who does that? What are you talking about? (laughs) So um, you know, the opportunity came and I was like, Tiffany, you have to consider this. Like, why are you saying no? Because you can't sit here and write about all the reasons why there aren't African-Americans in leadership positions at predominantly white institutions. And then just walk away from a opportunity without having good reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot there that I want to unpack. All right. (laughs) Um, <laughs> sorry. So, one of the, yeah. So I've got a couple of things I want to follow up on. All right. So first of all, um, I didn't introduce you as Dr. Tiffany Lomax. In fact, oh. I didn't even know you had your PhD until I was doing a little research background work on you before this and saw <laughs> that. And you never talk about it. Like you don't make a big deal about it. And I think that said something about you right you you literally from my opinion and getting to know you and talking to you you're letting your actions do your talking and I think that's something to be said for you thank you so all right so here's something else that I just wrote down in my notes (laughs) when you were talking about looking for a job out of um after grad school Mm -hmm. right you said you were you had to worry about coming from an HBCU. Tell me more about that. 
the perception that I think has been known and widespread and until you're in the position of looking for a job, you don't necessarily consider it, but you know that there are graduates from everywhere and Harvard, they're probably gonna read your resume and see what's there. Um, and they're just some, some big time schools that are gonna get you out of the pile just because you went there. And as you're writing your cover letter, as you're looking at your own resume and you're like, what's gonna get me out of the pile of resumes? And I know that there is a stigma that, or a perception that an HBCU is less than predominantly white institutions. Do you think so, that is, is that stigma or perception generally across the board? Or are you saying that related to our profession? I think that there is research that says it's across the board. Okay. Not specific to campus recreation. Not specific to campus recreation, but I also knew in the back of my mind, well, I also knew or was aware that graduate assistants that came before me got questioned as to how this translate, how your experience at an HBCU would translate over Wherever they're going. To, to a larger school, yes. Interesting. Um, so not, for me- Wait, wait. So not how has your experience in general going to translate into coming here, right? How is your HBCU experience? Correct. Is that a, uh, forgive my ignorance, is that a microaggression? I would say so. Huh. I would say so. Um, because why did you, why did you just say that? So like, yeah. so, so I would, I would say so. I also think that just in general, I think that would have been one less thing if I had graduated from a PWI to think about. But yeah. I'm always like, ooh, you are a black woman and there's no hiding that. Yeah. There's, there's nothing and my name, maybe you don't know if you're just looking at paper, maybe you could question. Um, but like, I can't disguise that. And I'm like, whew. And they talk to me over the phone. And when I walk in this room, <laughs> what are they going to say? <laughs> um, because that's what, that's what they see first. And I feel like even in our profession, I spend a lot of time being a Black woman first. And then maybe we get to the rec professional part. Or doctor. Or, or doctor. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, yes. And, and I will also be honest that I was aware that I didn't look like physically your typical rec professional or what you would imagine in a fitness and wellness world. Yeah. yeah. So that on top of it, um, and I remember I was on an interview and one of the questions was, how often do you work out? <laughs> and I was like, I don't really understand that question because what are you trying to figure out from it? Mm-hmm. So, well, so give us a time. What, when was this? So you were at 
Del State was, as an undergrad. And yeah, when? I graduated with my master's in 2014. So it wasn't too long so, ago. But you started there in 2008 then? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so yes. By the way, we crossed, uh, we crossed paths, right? Or we think, I think maybe we, we think did. We did yes. There was a state workshop. Yeah. So you were either, I can't remember exactly when it was, but you were probably there, which is funny. And here we are. So anyway, side note. Yes. So, so for me on that, I was like, this is a phone interview. Why are you asking me how often I work out? So then I was like, I actually love to work out whether my body reflects that or not. Hmm. I was probably close to this size playing high school, competitive high school basketball um, and a starter at that. So like, eh, it doesn't always translate. And in my answering that, I was like, okay, well, I can't answer and say, I work out every single day. And then they see me and be like, this lady lied. Like, <laughs> that is not true. So, so that, go, ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. I was, gonna, I was just gonna say, so that was back in, you know, coming out of grad school, right? Yep. 2014. Yep. I, I don't want, Oh, what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to take away from that, from your perspective, but I want to put a little bit of my perspective on that because there's a point that I'm going to make. So I'm a little bit older, right? I graduated grad school in 2001. My background was in fitness mm-hmm. and I cannot relate to your experience, but my experience was similar in the sense that as a fitness professional, right, you have to live up to this persona of what you do as a fitness person. I was never asked, do I work out the way that you were? <laughs> but I I had experienced, right? Like, oh, you only do this or you're not working out like this way or this many times a day, right? So my point is, is that we both experience that as a professional in recreation that you are supposed to be this certain type of person. But what you're saying is not only did you experience what I experienced, but it was also beyond, right? It's based on appearance right? and other factors. Um, you as a black female and everything else that comes along with that. Correct. Yeah. So it was like just compounding as I went through the process and I was like, what in the world? I was like, yeah. yeah, you need to start applying to some things outside of recreation. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you decided <laughs> that you were going to take this job at Colby College, which is in Maine. Where exactly in Maine? Like upstate, that um, south? Central Maine. So we're like right in the middle. Central Maine. Um, yeah. So not as white exciting. part of Maine, right? Uh, very. <laughs> okay. All right. So you... <laughs> There. So you're gonna move. You're gonna move from Dell State HBCU, yep. where you spent the last six years of your life. You're from yep. DC, right? And you decide that you're going to go to one of the widest parts of the Northeast at Colby College. Yes, I am. Genius. Coming from yeah, <laughs> right. So talk. Let's talk about that. All right, you're. What were you thinking and feeling leaving an HBCU going to a PWI in the one of the widest parts of the country amongst a pandemic and everything else that's going on in America at that time? Yeah, I was thinking I was going on an adventure. 
that is how I convinced myself. Um, I knew that it wouldn't be easy per se. Um, and I, and when I say that, I speak about the things outside of work. Um, did I know how that experience would really be? No. Um, my high school was predominantly white. So I was like, it's not going to be a complete shock. It's not going to. And I, I love that when we work at institutions, often there's a big mix of people coming from all over. So there was a safety net there in the college community would be people from all over. Um, and then I would have to figure out the rest of it. I knew that there was going to be a year of awkward, weird, just pandemic related stuff. And then I was like, faces and let's challenge where we are currently and see where we could go. Um, so in that, I was like, I'm going to take it on, you know, full steam ahead. Um, again, I just kept going back to my dissertation. And I was like, Tiffany, I don't know that you can, like, I know you didn't see this timing. It's not in the location you'd ever thought about living in. But maybe this is where you need to be right now. Because it wasn't like I applied. And they, then we started the conversation. Like, it kind of found me. What did the people in your inner circle say when you told them you were doing this? They were like, where? <laughs> you do know this. You do know that. And I was like, look, I was like, that's not going to help me make my decision. <laughs> oh, my inner circle was, well, my inner circle was like, are you serious? And then there were people in the profession that were like, that are in my inner circle. And they were like, this could be a good opportunity for you. Absolutely. So I think I was getting it both ways, but they were like, you do know it snows there. You do know, like there were all these extra, they were like, I see the opportunity, but I want you to know. And, and to be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that you Why know. Would you? Why would you? Ex well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I was like, I mean, I remember you know, people taking me out, trying to, you know, introduce me, show me things. And another black person walked into the establishment and comes over and says, hi, now we're the only two. And everyone that's at the table is like, oh, do you know that? I'm like, absolutely not. Never seen that person a day in my life. I was like, they just felt the need to connect as we were the only ones in here. And he literally comes over and says, I thought I was going to be the only one. And so I was, they were like, oh, and you could just tell they were like, and even one person's like, I didn't notice that. I was like, trust me, I did. And I've noticed it every time you go, I'll take me somewhere. Yep. Notice it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yes. So thank you for that. But like, nope, notice it every single time, like grocery shopping. Ugh, you'd be lucky. Like it's, it's almost amazing. And then um, one of the things someone said, well, get ready to see more, uh, moose than you see black people. And I was like, that's so not funny, <laughs> but you're laughing right now. <laughs> no, it was hilarious. I will say that I have not seen one. Um, moose. I do look, I'm like, I want to see one, but like not in front of my car. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah. 
Oh my gosh. That's sad, right? That, that's... Yes. But that was like the heads up. Like, this is where you're moving. You're going to yeah. see more wild animals than you are. Wait, somebody in your circle said that to you yes. or somebody in me? Oh, someone I, in thought my it was, I thought it was somebody at Colby that said that. No, 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 no. Okay. Someone somebody in my circle. in your circle. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So I, just for the listeners, I, I mean, I don't think I said this at the beginning, but we're talking about belonging right that's the kind of the topic of this conversation i'm sure they might have already known that but if you can't haven't figured that out yet that's that's where we are so recently um you were at the nurse national conference um and you were on a panel or a presenter for the women leading women session and tell us about the topic that you were speaking on so ironically um the whole day was we planned, but my particular section where, you know, I spoke for 60 minutes, um, we talked about victories. And it's funny that you opened up with like, wow, I didn't know all of these things about you until I started doing some research. And I was like, I know I'm supposed to be doing this for you all, but the whole time I was doing my research and trying to put this together, I really felt like it was for me. Mm. And I was like, because I don't know that I do a great job of celebrating my own victories or um, being able to brag, so to speak. Um, I don't talk about myself often. Um, and I think there's a place for that. Um, but I think there are also times where you should. Um, and I think that that is a whole part of the belonging piece that I think a lot of my activities have circled around lately. Um, and for me, um, being involved in NURSA and doing the volunteer work when you're at a small program, when you're at an HBCU, when you're like, I talked about how many hats you wear and how much extra time you have to sit on committees and to, to be on um, these work teams and things of that nature. Uh, but I choose to do it because I think I, there have been times where I didn't see people that looked like me and I didn't understand it. And then I had even younger students come and say something to me about not seeing people that look like them. And I feel the need to stand up and be present um, so that other people feel like they belong or like they could belong um, simply because I'm there. Mm -hmm. So for me um, in doing that, I was like, I'm gonna stand here and attempt to brag. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I forgot something, but even just being, I was 30 years old when I accepted my director role at Colby College. Um, so even that alone, people are like, how did you get there? How did you know you were ready? What, like, what does this look like? I want to do what you did. Um, and so, so that was a, a really cool experience for me, though I, was, I hope that others took something from it. Um, in, and I think it in all wrapped a nice bow on like Tiffany, you kind of have to, just so people know what you're doing. They feel comfortable coming to you and asking questions. They, they wanna know your experience. Do you think that your feeling of 
one, not wanting to brag or talk about yourself, but putting yourself out there to do things like this presentation comes from what you said earlier. Is it some way connected about worrying about being from an HBCU or being a black woman in this profession? Yes, all of the above, I think. Um, because if, like, I think representation means something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never seen it done, if you've never been able to envision yourself in that role, it's hard to get there. Um, and then there are a lot of other things that come into play along the way, you know, mentors, you know, all of those other wonderful things and wonderful people that you engage with throughout your, your trajectory. But I remember coming to my first nursa and being like, whoa, where are the people that look like me? I mean, thousands of people. And at that point, it felt like, you know, I don't even know if we could get 100. And I was like, now, granted, you know, I, I didn't count numbers, so I'm probably exaggerating. But um, it felt so minuscule in comparison to, to everything else that was happening um, in terms of numbers. So for me, I was always like, wait, where are my people? Why don't they look like me? How am I? I mean, and I went in and you're shaking your head right now. And I want to know because because you saying that and I this isn't a joke, but it's almost as if right you're you've got a book of NURSA, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of the conference Mm -hmm. or you know, the general session uh-huh. and you're like, where are they? <laughs> right. Like you're playing, where's Waldo? Where's <laughs> Tiffany? Yeah. Is, is that, am I, am I accurate in that feeling? Um, I wouldn't say I, I get where the reference comes from. And I don't know that, you know, you're counting, but no, 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 I don't mean maybe, counting, but the way no, you no, described I, it, you're like looking like, where is everybody? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know that like, it's so funny because my grandmother is, she just turned 97, um, grew up in South Carolina, moved to DC, taught education, taught English for a million years. Um, we can walk through DC and somebody be like, hi, Miss Mitchell, like very respectfully, they know that she probably called their parents when back in the day. Um, and when we would go to school, I I remember being in the first grade and and one of her first questions were how many, how many black people are in your class? And at that age, I was like, why, what, what difference does it make? Why do you keep asking me? What, what does that have to do with anything? Um, and I remember it every, every year, it was the same question. We started school and it's like, oh, great. How many black people in your class? Um, and it never really, and I think in my older years, I understood the importance to, to look around, to see who was getting that experience that I was getting to see. And I think there's a lot of privilege in the schools I was able to go to, um, especially coming out of DC. I did not go to DC public high schools. Um, I, I knew when I got to Dell State, I was back in a circle where there were people from the very high school I would have attended and they'd be talking about the homework and I'd be like, 
you didn't finish that when we were in class? Like, but I knew that my ability to go to high school, I went to a Catholic high school in, in Virginia, definitely trained me and prepared me differently than the local high school in DC that sent me off to college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, had nothing, I mean, privilege. Um, yep. We looked the same and I had more privilege than you did to go to that school. Right. Where in my class, there were maybe three black people um, in, in a single class. Right. Um, and there we, we got to, I remember our first day we got to school and all the black people are circled up in a huddle. Like, Hey, you guys here too. What, what sport do you play? And it, it's, it, it is a thing, but and that's, it's also a thing. Say that again. Is that what you're saying happens at NERSA? Hmm. Yes. Where are right. you? Um, right. How are you doing? Let me check in on you. How is your experience at such and such? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost family before we even know, know each, each other. other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. You, because... You, you see each other and you know instantly. You know instantly. Well, I see you on, let's just say, Wednesday night at the People of Color Social. Like, yeah. make sure you're there. Your people will gather. Those that support will come. And, you know, that's that's going to be our time to really connect. This episode is brought to you by Campus Rec Mastermind Groups. These groups are created as a space for executive directors and directors to present questions and challenges you are faced with in your position so you can leverage the power of your peers to help you succeed. It's a leadership accountability group that provides immediate professional development based on your specific challenges as a leader. Interested in learning more? Email Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. Which is at its core, an awesome thing, right? Right. But the, are you saying, but the reason why you have to do that, not so much. Correct. The reason that it is felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, humans are tribal by nature, right? Correct. And you're finding your tribe amongst strangers. Correct. And that happens for, I think that happens for everybody in NERSA. To me, like NERSA is very clicky, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> isn't it i mean it is it is you know big schools small schools you know it is those with historical reputations for being big student developers i mean i i went to it's not about me i went to southern miss but there's a southern miss click within nursa right like we all the red jackets that school will remain nameless right like it is yeah. but then there's this underlying Correct. difference with what you're saying yeah yes and i think that I mean, even the, the, the other session, one of the other sessions that I was a part of at this annual conference was again about belonging. And we all, everyone that helped put it together kind of gave their why we thought this was necessary or what this meant to us. Um, and I think that, again, in my research, it's like, hey, these are all the thing, the reasons why people are saying there aren't African-Americans in leadership roles. Like these are the barriers, whether it's a low applicant pool. I mean, cause who wants to move to Maine, right? But a low applicant pool, um, a 
whether there's biasy when they're reviewing resumes, whether mm-hmm. so there, there's just a number of things that that add up and stack up. Um, yeah. And I've heard a lot of those things where they're like, no one wants to move to Iowa. No one wants to do this. Like we don't, people don't apply. Um, and I, like I said, I didn't apply to Colby, but to the credit of our uh, athletic director and VP, he was like, this isn't good enough. So he started reaching out to people he didn't even know that were a part of NURSA that were, you know. Your hey, boss at Colby? Yes. Hey, oh, wow. who do you know that might be interested in this role? Hey, yeah. I'm looking for something unique here. I need, like, I'm trying to broaden our applicant pool. He was very strategic in doing that. Um, and that's the only way he found me because I, I just wasn't looking. Um, but how often do we do that? And that's that's what we were talking about at, at the last annual conference. And it was like, great. But how, if you get them there, one, how did you get them there? But two, how do you give them a sense of belonging in this space that you know is very new and different to what they're used to? And how, like, what does that look like? So for me, I was like, yes, let's do this. I am the director here, but how did the institution invite me in and make me feel comfortable in this space that they knew was opposite of what I was coming from, but also just not very inclusionary for people that look like me. Yeah. Um, And one thing that really like was unsettling for me was week one, week two, still virtual meetings because we couldn't have that many people in a in a room our very first like all all staff meeting um probably 80 people and this is athletics right this is this is athletics yes right um athletics and recreation um we had you know a section of the meeting that was about diversity equity and inclusion and it was like how have you been feeling about everything that's been going on this past summer. 2020. 2020. And we broke off into like groups of five to discuss this. And for me, I was like, ooh, in those conversations, I don't always engage. I don't, I have to weigh a couple of things. And you're brand new. I'm brand new. I don't even know the people that I'm in this room with may have met one or two of them twice or whatever, but I don't know any. Brand new, director of rec, African-American female. First director of this, pro- they just built yes. a brand new facility, right? Yes. How many African-Americans in the group of 80 people? Ooh, um, I believe that at the time there were five, only four were on the call though. And you guys are breaking up into individual small group sessions to talk about what's going on related to the events of the summer 20 of summer 2020 not pandemic but racially across the country correct okay so (laughs) um i remember like all right tiffany you don't know these individuals you don't even know what they do in the department um you're aware that they're not on the leadership team because you would have been in meetings with them already um 
how are we going to play this as a are they coaches? Like, so they could have been coaches. They could have, yes, right. they could have been coaches, assistant coaches, athletic right. trainers, the whole nine facility staff. Right. Correct. So, so for me, I was like, all right, you're in a leadership role. So you got to be careful. You're the only African-American in this group right here of five. So you got to be careful. Um, and however you come off could be their first impression of you. And they may not want to speak to you again. <laughs> so in that, I was like, oh, so I think I, I laid low in the beginning and kind of just wanted to see where it was going. Because if I say something in the beginning and now no one wants to talk, that's not good either. Um, so, you know, I think one of the football coaches started us off um, and then we just kind of kept going and then the circle came around and I was like, oh, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> Here's this. And I, you know, added some things and, and, and someone made a reference to their eyes being opened. And I wanted to dig in and I was like, but Tiffany, if you do this, it could go left and they could feel attacked. Um, but yes. So what are the consequences of me doing this? But in the intended, of, intended and unintended consequences. Correct. Right. Correct. So the other thing I noticed that we're in these small group conversations and my phone has gone off a couple of times and the other African-Americans that were in the meeting, um, two of them text me to say, hey, you OK over there? And they couldn't see me. They couldn't like none of that. Um, and it was like, how'd that make you feel? bad actually because bad. it did i was there was I, I understand that there should have been comfort in them reaching out um but honestly i was like how bad is it over there if they feel the need to check on me who is a part of leadership so wait i, I gotta i gotta time out on that <laughs> because that speaks to who you are right so you, you're brand new Yes. Were there any of these uh, supervisor or? One was a peer? head coach um, and one was an assistant coach in different so programs. You, okay. So you have a limited relationship with. Correct. You've known yeah. them for how long? Maybe a month. Maybe. A month. Not even. Okay. I think we were like two weeks into me being there when we okay. had this. And their intent, I, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, is that they're checking on you because they know that you're, one, you're in a similar situation that they're in and you're new, right? And they're concerned about how are you doing in this moment? Correct. And your first thought is you're mad, or did you say mad, angry, no, I, frustrated? I, What'd you say? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't mad. I think I was. But you were it something. Feel good. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel yeah. good. But your reaction to that and your explanation of it didn't feel good is you were more concerned about them. Correct. Why? Because as a leader, I was like, you have some responsibility here to them. And in that moment, they were taking responsibility for me. And so I, I, I understood and appreciated that they thought enough to check in. But at the same time, I was like, this is supposed to be the other way around. 
And so maybe there was a built of guilt that I didn't do that before they did. Um, but they also had been there a little longer. And I was still in the moment of like, what is going on right now? Like, this can't be real. Like this, we can't have this topic and not be guided or have um, someone in the room that's going to make sure the conversation is always moving forward and doesn't uh, become an attack on anyone or get to a place where someone can't bounce back. And for me, I was like, how much do I dig in? Because we're going to uncover some scars here and we're going to rip away the scab. So if I don't engage, I don't, I don't tear the scab off. I know it's there. I'm looking at it, but I didn't tear the scab off because I'm not going to open up. I'm not going to feel this. I'm not, I'm not getting to that level. Um, Cause you may not remember, be ready to get to that level. Correct. And, and may not be ready with these individuals that I don't right. know. Right. So because you're vulnerable, you're, vul- you're in a vulnerable position at that point. Correct. But you're. And at the same time, I don't know how that's going to come across or come out. But you're calling to lead. It's like you're playing your vulnerability of where you are and your call to be a leader are playing tug of war in that moment. Correct. Correct. Being true to myself in sitting in this room and hearing the things. And yeah, so all of those things, like, am I being authentic? Um, If I don't say anything, because this is something I'm passionate about, is, is, is this okay? Yeah. So there was a lot going on as to why, you know, it didn't dawn on me in the midst of it to be like, hey, guys, y'all good? (laughs) You okay? So, um, so yeah, in that I was like, whew, okay. And I remember at the end of it, we like, we came back, I think there was like a share out and then we were just on to the next thing. And I was like, there's no way you gave us enough time for me to tear that scab off, really be in it, be ready to move to the next thing and still be engaging. There was... Mm -hmm. And, and there's probably only one other time that I, I remember being like, I couldn't get out of my head enough to even hear the next thing. And I don't know if it was anger or whatever, but I, I just couldn't get to the next thing. And so the next thing was like our sports psychologists helping us prepare mentally for a game or I don't even know what it was, like how we help the students get ready. And I was just like, What? I'm like, how are we here? Like, what are we talking about? Like, and, and I just know it was a sports psychologist. I can't even tell you what it was because I didn't hear the first half of it. And I was just like, how did we just ask me to get undressed in front of everyone? And then now it's on to the next thing. Like, like we can't, like, we just changed gears. Yes. So like, so you guys, for the listeners, yeah, yeah. I just checked the box. All we're doing when we do that is checking the box, right? Yeah. So that the white people in the room or the non-people of color ultimately, right, can feel better about ourselves to say, oh, we had a discussion. We're good. We're we're doing it. We're doing DEI, EDI, whichever way you want to refer to it, right? Right. We did and it. So for me, I was like, I don't even know. And then I was like, and they reached out. So I know they feel a type of way because, you know, they they made sure I was good. So 
Um, I definitely had a moment where like, you have to say something at that leadership table. And so our very next meeting, I was like, look guys, I need you to understand the position that you put me in, how this felt and what those below me thought they needed to do. And, and that should speak volumes. They literally reached out to see if I was okay as we were going through this. And I know that wasn't the intent, but here's the impact of that. I was like, and then we switched gears so fast that I was like, what? Like, I'm still processing my own. Like, you asked me to think about 2020 summer. Like, here I am. Yeah. And and so, so, you know, I think they appreciated the feedback. Did I want to have that conversation? No, not necessarily, because I didn't know them either. Right. I think that, um, I think in that example you gave, and there's hundreds of other examples or thousands of other examples of similar situations, right, across the country at higher ed institutions or wherever, where the intent is probably good. Mm-hmm. But like we said, like, I, mean, I just had this conversation with my daughter, seven years old, right? There's, there's consequences for everything we do. Intended and unintended. She didn't really understand what I was saying, but that's okay. We do, (laughs) right? And so the unintended consequence of that exercise is everything that you just described. But the initial takeaway, right, from the for the majority of the people, is oh, we checked the box. We had a discussion. We're all good. Everyone's all good, Right. right? But they're not. So. And in that, in that, honestly, one of one of my colleagues that is African-American said, you know, honestly, I would have rather have not done that because I don't really want to know what these individuals think. I would have been better off, you know, assuming that they didn't think or didn't care too much, didn't whatever. But now I know. And now I have issues. And which is brings us to something you brought up, being your authentic self. Right. So we, yes. we, we hear that all the time. Right. I want to be at a place where I can be my authentic self or bring your authentic self to work. But that doesn't happen. Right. 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 For, for both sides, whatever side you're on, that doesn't happen. What you just described, what I'm hearing you say is you, did, you or somebody else didn't want to hear what they had to say, weren't ready to hear what they had to say because it might change the relationship, your perception, right? create feelings that you didn't know you were going to have towards that person, so on and so forth, right. and vice versa, right? So yeah. do you think, so are we able to be authentic in our field, in our profession, at work? You know, I think I being authentic right now. I don't, you know, I don't know. And we'll see if our relationship changes. No, No, I I mean, I think that there is a level of work you that shows up. And I remember having a conversation here at Colby and it was like, no, this is, this is the point. Like we're supposed to have these conversations so you can show up and ask the questions and be vulnerable. Like we're asking people to be vulnerable in this space. And I was like, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm a black woman in a very white space and I need a job. I was like, so 
I hear you. And there is a level of vulnerability that I can give, but I'm not, I, I, I will not come in here and just lay everything out on the table. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the privilege to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't, I think that we, the person that I had this conversation with in front of everyone, um, I think we have a pretty good relationship. Um, but even saying that, I knew I was risking something. I was like, ooh, how is this going to land? What is she going to think? Um, but so I, I think there's a level there. But I also think that in my choosing to participate in conversations, in um, in presentations in challenging some of these areas is really me trying to use my privilege in the space that I command in um, my privilege as a director. Um, some people are still trying to get there. So, and, and I'm not saying this is my last job, but if I at the leadership table don't have room to, to make some things budge, then my coordinator definitely isn't. Um, so I guess that's just my way of figuring things out or trying to, to help and make things better for others. But that's, that's what I'm finding. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that perspective and what you've said today, because in some ways you're, you're being vulnerable right now. Right. And having this conversation with me on this podcast. Yes. And it's a big deal. And I I think we're both, we're both being vulnerable, right? Because I'm maybe saying some things that may have a reaction from some people, but there's a, this conversation between us. And this is why I'm, I wanted to do this with you was to kind of get to be more authentic, I guess. Like, let's have a real conversation, right? And this conversation is between you and I, but there's going to be people listening to this. Yes. <laughs> and I think both you and I are a little bit of potsters, right? Pokers. Yeah. And we need to do this. So I, I want to, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. So at the time that you were going through that experience at Colby, you were also um, utilizing your thoughts and feelings and your leadership skills to create talks with Tiffany, which yes. was a three-part um, kind of nursa, not podcast, but just webinar, I guess. Yeah. Um, with some other um, pretty high-profile um, black female directors um, across the country. So, just touch on a little bit. What led you to do this? Was it based off of this experience and other experiences for you? Yes. So, and I think. Um, for all of us, we wanted to do something at 2020 annual. And uh, okay. so we were already planning some sort of uh, conversation similar to this. Like, let's, yeah. let's open up. Let's let people see what this looks like. And again, I think all of us, and at that point, I wasn't a director, but let's use some of our privilege and the, the titles that we hold. Um, to be able to say some things that others might not feel comfortable doing. Let's draw some attention to what's going on. Um, And then the summer of 2020 happened, um, the killing of George Floyd. 
Um, and it was like, we, we can't wait until next year. We like, that's too long. What, what can we do right now? Um, and it was like, there are some people that need to hear from us in a supportive way. And then there are some people that need maybe some more education on how to handle some of these things. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we ventured into that. Um, and then I think that we use this year's 2020 presentation to kind of bring it full circle, um, mm -hmm. where everyone was hearing from us initially. And this time we brought in some individuals that we think do a great job of allowing their staff to feel like they have a sense of belonging in a space where there might not be many people that look like them. Um, but we were very strategic in what questions we asked and, you know, with the hopes that what those answers brought out um, in making sure that we explained why we thought this was important to us, um, what resources, you know, people are using currently. And, and in terms of staff, professional staff, but also what your student staff are feeling, um, how to diversify what that looks like, uh, what those trainings are that, that you're giving. So they don't feel like we're ripping off scabs and, and you know, paying a tax for what we go through to have to be the vulnerable ones in the room, trying to help everyone else understand or educate. Yeah, I think the ripping off a scab metaphor analogy, sorry, English majors, um, whichever it is. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> it's a metaphor, right? Because it's not like, like isn't. <laughs> My point is the ripping off the scab piece. Yes. Right, you're not supposed to rip a scab off. It's still healing, Yeah. right? So you may not be ready to do that. And everybody who is engaging in that conversation needs to recognize that. We're all, our scabs are all at different places. And at some point, that scab is gonna become a scar and it'll always be there mm -hmm. and carry it with you. So in your talks with Tiffany, you guys touched on a lot of things. You talked about mentorship and becoming a leader, um, which I think we've talked about today. Um, that you also talk about being alone as black females and what you're doing or just black leaders in general in our field right yeah and i joke all the time you know it's lonely at the top as a director right but you feel that even more obviously based on what we've talked talked about you mentioned earlier you didn't know that you weren't ready people ask how did you know you were ready well you didn't know that you weren't ready right um which i think is very interesting and a, a perspective that I think more people need to, or a question, a thought that people, more people need to have, especially our younger professionals on taking a chance. We all got here because we took a chance. Right. Right. I, <laughs> there's a saying like, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the opportunity. You can't steal second base with your foot stuck on first. Right. If you would have yep. hesitated about going to Colby in white Maine, central white Maine, right? Yeah. We might not be having this conversation today. Absolutely. But there's something that has that stuck out with me in, in those sessions because I listened to them, to the talks that you guys had. And 
I don't know. I think it was you that said this, or maybe it was one of the other um, directors, but there's a weight that you carry as a black female leader in this field. We all have weights that we carry, but for you in particular, there, there's that weight or just being a professional in this field as a person of color. Right. Is it still heavy today? Yes. As I would, heavy I, today? I would say is it's it as heavy. lighter. I, I would say, you know, each day, each situation is a little bit different. And you have a fitness background, so you've been in the weight room. Sometimes it's a farmer's carry. Um, or a farmer's walk. Now I'm like losing my mind, whichever one it is. Yeah, I got you over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes you're squatting the same weight. Sometimes it's in a bench press form. Um, and, and the weight, though it may be the same, feels different depending on how you're lifting it. And I feel like that's the best way to describe it. It's always there. Um, just, I mean, right now, I think we have 11 women of color that are of African-American women that are directors in our field. And that's full-fledged uh, departments that have more than just your intramurals. Um, and to me, that I, it's just insane. I, I always say, I can't count how many schools there are, institutions there are across the world, but um, 11. Mm -hmm. I know them. Like that just, just that number alone. And that number has you grown exponentially in the last year or so. Not know of them, but know them. Right. Yeah. Right. That, For I mean, a lot of the reasons that we've talked about already talked about, but also just because you know them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In 20, in, in 2019, we knew of five. And I joined, you know, a few others joined in the last two years, but yeah, five. There's a whole nother podcast related yeah. to that conversation. Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> a whole nother podcast. I'm not going to say anything because I might get myself in trouble on that, but <laughs> so, I mean, we've spent, we've spent a good almost 50 minutes, maybe yeah. Maybe a little bit long, closer to an hour talking about this. I think we've just scratched the surface. Like you, I think you and I could keep going. Um, but for the sake of time, and maybe there will be a part two, I have one more question for you. Okay. Have you found where you belong? You know, that's funny. I just accepted a role at North Carolina Central University as the director. And for some reason, it feels right. And we're going to check back in on that answer, but I think that this might be it where I get to create an impact and be, you know, someone that maybe creates a pipeline for people that look like me into this field. Um, I think that I have created or am continuing to create a strong network um, of individuals that work at other institutions, big, small, and in between. Um, that I'm really excited for this space and this opportunity I have. So I think I have, but let's, let's check back in. Well, Dr. Lomax, that is awesome. Congratulations. 
Um, I think that they are getting what they deserve and need and a per- is a, which is a person of influence and leadership. I joked with you recently that, um, you know, we haven't known each other that long, but I joked with you that you were starting to become one of my favorite people or putting you on my favorite person's list, right? And you laughed at that. I said, don't worry, there's, it's a long list. But I will tell you that you are moving to the top of that list. Yeah. So I appreciate. <laughs> I'm very competitive, so I love this. <laughs> yes. I can't tell you, every time I talk to you, I feel inspired and influenced to that's huge i i mean that uh in fact i i'm for the listeners i'm starting to get a little emotional about this but i think that your experience and the things that you have to say and the way that you told your story today are probably going to have an impact on people in a way that it, this topic hasn't Right. Like, yeah, I mean, like going and doing the checkbox session. Right. We need more. We need more discussions like this. And I think listening to these type of discussions from people. So I can't thank you enough. Um, I don't know if everybody's going to have this reaction, but I hope you I hope they gain something from this. If they don't, um, then I want to have another conversation with them as to why. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do that. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to um, not only seeing what you do in your new role and as a leader in this field, but just the development of our relationship and and seeing where you go. So I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me this opportunity for even thinking of me um, and creating this platform. I'm really excited to see where you go with this. And I am excited to climb to the top of that list. So thank you. (laughs) All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you the next time.